You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Thanksgiving, but I'm going to say it's cheat this morning. Praise God. Amen. We don't have to wait for the football and we don't have to wait for the food. We can praise Jesus this morning. And God has laid on my heart this morning a very worshipful message. If you feel like worshiping this morning, I want you to do that because I might. Uh, I told Andrew up there, I said, well, if I get excited and this thing falls off my ear this morning, what are we going to do? He said, just keep going. And uh, so somebody told me a while ago, he said, just get up there and turn her loose. Uh, and by God's grace and the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to do that this morning. Let's begin this morning in James chapter 1 and verse number 17. We'll be going to Ephesians 1, uh, verses 3 through 14. But I believe this verse in James is an excellent verse for thanksgiving. It says in James chapter 1 and verse number 17 that every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. If you'll notice in our notes this morning, our little study notes in the day three notes, we've got a big old long blank there, first thing. It says, I am thankful for, big long blank. If we consider what James wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in James chapter 1, it says every good and perfect gift is from where? Above. And if you'll think this morning of all the good things in your life and all the things that God has blessed you with, it'd take a bunch of blanks, wouldn't it? That one blank that we have on that little sheet of paper would not suffice for us to praise and thank God this morning for every good and perfect gift that has came down from Him. I thought about blessings, and usually when we think about blessings, we'll group them in four different categories. You'll have your material blessings. Us Americans are stuff people, ain't we? We like our stuff. So we get thankful for our stuff. Our stuff comes from above, or blessings from God. Then we think about occupational blessings. Well, I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful that God has blessed me with the means by which I can provide for my family. Then we think about physical blessings. I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful that God gave me the capability and the physical health to get out of bed this morning and stand here before you guys. And then lastly, we're often thankful for our relationships, aren't we? Our relational blessings. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my children. My son Adam that's here this morning. I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for you guys what you mean to me. But when we think about all these blessings and we think about the fact that they did come down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning, there's one thing about these blessings that we need to realize. They are all temporal. Everything that you and I consider as a blessing in these four categories are temporal. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 18, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is what eternal you and I this morning if we are in Christ and let us not assume this morning that everyone is in Christ oftentimes we do that and we'll deal with that later on in the message but those of us who are in Christ this morning have three specific blessings in Ephesians chapter 1 that we're going to be looking at and our, our title for our message this morning is spiritual blessings in Christ if you want to fill in the little blanks along with me this morning I had a bunch of blanks, but Brandy cut me down on the blanks, so I'm actually down to just a few this morning. Uh, didn't want us to get writer's cramp, but hey, listen, spiritual blessings in Christ. And as I read this passage of Scripture, you guys might see more than three. I think the Holy Spirit pointed out three that we need to deal with this morning, but notice one thing in this passage of Scripture as I read it. There is a continual reference to in Christ, 
in Christ, in Him, in the one He loves, in Jesus, on and on and on in these 12 verses. So if you want to look with me this morning, and I think Andrew's going to put it up on the screen, our text for this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse number 3. Now the Apostle Paul, he's getting pretty fired up here. He's getting excited about what has been done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he starts praising God in verse number 3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. What? Verse 3, in Christ. Then in verse number 4 it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, there's Jesus again, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Verse 9, and he made, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head, even Christ. Notice again in verse number 11, In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you who were included in Christ... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. See all the Jesus in that passage? It's about Jesus, isn't it? It's about you and I being in him, and it's about you and I possessing these spiritual blessings, these three that we're going to mention this morning. Notice in verse number three, the first thing I want to, to point out is before we actually launch into this passage of Scripture, these blessings are in the past tense. Notice in verse number three where Paul said, said that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms. These three blessings that we're going to look at this morning are not to be begged for, they're not to be hoped for, they're not a maybe blessing or if I'm good enough or if I can perform good enough these blessings were performed and established in the heart of God before creation and I want us to think about that this morning because if I'm in Christ Jesus this morning I have these three blessings I'm not trying to attain them or accomplish them they are yours and mine today giving us reason to thank and praise God notice the first blessing in verses three through six. First blank if you want to fill it in we are what somebody tell me what we are we are chosen in Christ. The Bible says there that God chose us in Him when? Before creation. Listen, I want you to get this this morning. How many of you guys did anything good before creation? Zero. How many of you guys did anything bad before creation? Zero. How much faith did you have before creation? Zero. Isn't it amazing that God chose us in Jesus Christ before creation? That tells me this morning that you and I have been chosen apart from our performance. Apart from our performance. We had no performance before creation. We had done nothing to motivate a God of love and mercy and grace to choose us. But He chose us, thank God, apart from our performance. Uh, I always wanted to be an athlete growing up. And as you can look at me, you can tell this is not much of an athletic frame. God didn't bless me with that. And God didn't intend 
for me to do that, but I love basketball. Boy, that's weird. This looks like a basketball frame, doesn't it? No height, no speed, no anything, but I love basketball. And a lot of times my son and I will go up to Mulberry Recreation Center in Lenore and play basketball. And we'll get captains, and the captains will start choosing. And most of these are, you know, high school guys, 20-something guys. And the two captains will choose, and they'll choose, and they'll choose, and they'll choose. And I stand there, and I stand there. I still stand there. <clears throat> one little high school kid said, well, he said, well, I guess we'll just take the old man. I was the last one left. He said, I guess we'll just take the old man. You see, he had to take me, didn't he? He had to take me. But he didn't want to take me because he figured I couldn't perform good enough to be on his team. Why do I say all of that? Because God chose you and I regardless of our performance. He chose us regardless of our capabilities. When God looked down and see me, he said, Rex is going to fall, Rex is going to fumble, Rex is going to fail. But praise God, I choose Rex. And he says that about you this morning too. This is not about me. It's about us and about what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if God's not going to choose me on my performance, how's He going to choose me? He chose me on Jesus' performance. He chose you this morning on the performance of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse number 21 that God made Him, this is a beautiful verse, guys, look at this. God made Him who had no sin to be what? Sin for us. So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, it was Jesus' performance that motivated God to choose us. It was what Jesus did. Jesus came and lived a life that you and I couldn't live. It was sinless, wasn't it? Jesus Christ came and died a death that you and I couldn't die. It was sacrificial. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on the third day and defeated an enemy that you and I couldn't defeat. Victorious. And when God looked upon Jesus and He looked upon the performance that Jesus was going to perform here on earth, He said, I'm going to choose them all. Amen? Think about that this morning. You have been chosen because of what Jesus did. Not because of what you did, not what you're planning on doing, not whether you make it to church four Sundays in a row, not if you've read 20 chapters in your Bible this week or prayed five or six hours. God has chose you in Jesus Christ. And that's glorious this morning. That makes me want to worship when I know I don't have to perform for God to be accepted because Jesus done my performing. Jesus performed for us there on the cross. Jesus said this, or actually God, let's, let's go with what God said about Jesus first. In Matthew chapter 3, and then again in Matthew chapter 17, God the Father said this about Jesus. He said, this is my son whom I love. I am well pleased with him. That gives me peace this morning when I think about the fact that God the Father was well pleased with Jesus. Guess what that means? That God the Father has chose us and He's well pleased with us because our faith is not in us, but our faith is in Jesus. And therefore, God is pleased with us this morning. Jesus said this in John chapter 8 and verse number 29. He said, For I always do the things that please Him who sent me. What about that? Everything Jesus done pleased God. And therefore, when God looks at Jesus and God looks at you and I, guess what? We're chosen because of the work of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ alone. Have we got any golfers in the crowd? No golfers? There's got to be a golfer in here somewhere. All right, I've played one time. I've played golf one time in my life and shot 81. 
And usually when I tell folks that, I say, man, 81, that's great. The only problem was I only played nine holes. I shot 81 on nine holes, and I gave her up. But the best of my understanding, in golf, there's a thing called captain's choice, right? I think. You guys that know a little bit about it, nod your head. If I'm off course, shake your head no. I think in captain's choice, one fellow in the foursome that hits the ball the farthest, everybody gets to go to that point, right? Is it not a glorious thought this morning to think that Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross is our ball? And praise God this morning, we play off of what Jesus done at Calvary. We go to his spot and we're accepted at his spot on what he did and not on how far we can hit the ball or how far we can perform this morning. So we've been chosen. We've been chosen before creation. So why did God choose us? Not only were we chosen before creation, but you and I were chosen for adoption. Look in verse number 5. This is a beautiful verse right here. In verse number 5, it said, well, actually, we need to back up to 4. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, verse number 5, it says, he predestined us to be adopted as sons. And that's not gender specific this morning. God has chosen us for a relationship of adoption. You think about that this morning. I see Dwight sitting back there. And we have several other families in this church that have adopted children into their family. Did you know when God looked down on the orphanage of humanity, He looked down on every one of us and He said, I am going to adopt them as my children. Think about that this morning. Think about how special an adoption is. Think about how an adoption changes the way you look at the family. Dwight, I don't know what the little little girl calls you that uh, you adopted, but I'm sure she doesn't call you the man upstairs or the good guy up above, or uh, she might call you daddy, might she? She might call you father, right? In In Matthew chapter 6, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. What did Jesus say? Well, you need to say, Almighty, great God, creator of the universe, on and on and on and on and on. What title did Jesus use for God? Look at this. Isn't this beautiful? Our what? Our Father in heaven. Jesus was trying to show the disciples that God's ultimate desire for you and I is that we enter into an adoptive relationship with the God of this universe. He doesn't want you just to call Him God. He doesn't want you to call Him the man upstairs or the good guy up above or all of these crazy titles that we give God. He wants us to call Him what? Amen. He wants us to call Him Father and He wants us to have that adoptive relationship with Him this morning. Paul said this in Romans chapter 8 and verses 15 and 16, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, And by Him we cry what? Abba Father. That in the Aramaic is the dearest, tenderest term that a child can use for their father. Abba Father. And that's what God wants for each of us in this room this morning. He wants us to realize that He chose to adopt us before the creation of the world. You and I live in a culture today that teaches what? All roads lead to God, right? Any way you want to get there is fine. Any way you want to try to get there is fine. We're all free to make our own decision however we want to get to God. I heard a minister say something recently that really got my attention. He said, you know what? He said, all roads truly do lead to God. Because what does it say in Hebrews? It's appointed unto man who wants to die, but after this the judgment. <laughs> There's some truth to that. All roads do lead to God. But he said this, we better make sure that we're on the right road when we get there. Is that not a thought this morning? 
What is the right road? The road to God is the road to adoption. The road to God is being adopted by faith in Jesus Christ and by grace. That is the right road that we need to be on. Jesus said this in John 14 in verse number 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man comes to the Father except by me. That's how we get to the Father. That's how we get adopted. That's how we get in a relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ. There was a very religious man in John chapter 3. And he came to Jesus one night and his name was Nicodemus. And he, uh, old Nicodemus went to the right building. Nicodemus carried the right book. And, G and Nicodemus even had affection for the right guy, Jesus. But there's a little problem with Nicodemus. You see, Nicodemus had a religion instead of an adoption. Nicodemus had rituals instead of a relationship. And I'm afraid sometimes that's what happens in our lives. We start going to church. We get religious. We know it's the right thing to bring the family to church and do all these religious things. But we never move from a religion to a relationship. And you see, that's, what, that's God's road this morning. That's what He wants for us. He wants us to be adopted into a relationship with Him. But not only a relationship, God also has adopted us. Think about this this morning for fellowship. You ever been in a relationship where the fellowship's not good? That can happen. Look at the words in this passage of Scripture. And I don't think I had this included uh, in, the pre in the slide presentation this morning. But listen to some of the words that the Holy Spirit gives the Apostle Paul to pin down. Verse number 4, holy and blameless. Do you know if you're in Christ this morning, what are you? I'll tell you what, guys. When I look in a mirror, I don't see a holy and blameless person. Do you? But you know God's looking in a different mirror. Amen. I want you to look at these words of fellowship. Not only does God want you to be in an adoptive relationship, but in that adoption, He wants us to have fellowship with Him, holy and blameless. Look at what's it say in verse number four. How did He choose us? In love. And then look at the third one. In His pleasure and will, then glorious grace. For, you know what that tells me? Fellowship. Fellowship. Because God chose to view us as holy and blameless because He wants to have fellowship. Did you know how you view somebody it determines whether you want to have fellowship with them or not? The way you view me determines whether you want to have fellowship with me or not. God has chosen to view us as holy and blameless so you and I, as His adopted children, can have fellowship with Him. Is that not a beautiful thing? God desires your fellowship this morning. God wants to have daily communion and fellowship with you. And that's His desire this morning. And that's how He's chosen us. He's chosen us before creation for an adoptive relationship whereby you and I, as His children, can have fellowship with Him. But not only has God chosen us, and this is where it gets gooder and gooder and gooder, and I might get excited and excited and excited, but secondly, not only has God chosen us, look at the second blessing this morning I want you to think about. He has what? Glory to God. He has cleansed us. Cleansed us. Think about this this morning. We are chosen, but God did not just leave us chosen. He brought us cleansed. God has cleansed us. In verse number 7, listen to this. I love this verse. It says, in Him, in who? In Jesus. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. You and I this morning are not only chosen, but if we are in Christ, we have been cleansed by the redeeming blood of Christ. Jesus' blood has cleansed us. Now, when we start thinking about sin... 
and start talking about sin, usually we'll find two groups of people in all of humanity. You'll have one group on this side that thinks that they're so good they don't need cleansing. That they're, that they're not that bad and they really don't need God's forgiveness. You ever ran into someone like that? Well, some people are like that. And here's why. They play the little comparative game. I'm not as bad as such and such. I'm not as bad. We're bad to do that, aren't we? There is something in our twisted, warped, sinful nature that we want to find somebody worse than ourselves and compare ourselves to them because it makes us feel better about who we are. But there's a problem with that. It might make us feel like we're better than them, but what does the Word of God say about that? The Word of God says in James chapter 1 and verse number 10, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just what? One point is guilty of what? Is that not amazing? You know, you go to share Christ with people and they'll start talking about keeping the Ten Commandments and talking about uh, doing this and not doing that. And uh, I think I shared with you guys some time ago, I ran into a fellow at the walking park and I was there trying to get a little bit of exercise and I made a comment about how beautiful a day it was and it made me hungry for heaven. Man, when he heard heaven, he started telling me all the good things he had done and all the bad things he hadn't done and on and on he went. I've never done this. I promised Jesus I wouldn't do that. And the bad part was I'd done about half the things he said he hadn't done. And the more he bragged on himself, the smaller I felt. But you know what? That's not what it's all about. The Word of God says here that if I have broken one of God's laws, Rex Brown is guilty of ALL. I'm guilty of them all. It's not how much good I've done. It's not how much bad I've done. It's the fact that I have broken God's laws. And for that reason, I am guilty of all of them. And for that reason, people who think that they're good, people who belong to the comparative group that can find somebody in prison that they're better than or some guy on the news that's committed some horrible crime and they feel better about themselves, not so. Not so. It says in Galatians 3 and verse number 22, but the Scripture declares that the whole world is what? A prisoner of sin. That's the whole world. That's all of us. Those who think we've done good, those of us who think we measure up to some standard and we're good enough, according to the Word of God, we're not. But then you have a second group, not the group that thinks that they're too good to need God's forgiveness. And this is the group that, this is the group that Rex used to live in. This was the group that Rex walked in. The group that thinks they're what? Too what? Too bad. Too bad to receive God's forgiveness. I call this the convinced group. The first group's the comparing group, but then you got your convinced group. And they're convinced of what? I've went too far. I've went too far. If you miss anything this morning, if you don't hear anything else, thank God nobody can go too far. Amen? I am a living witness to the fact that no one can go too far. Most of you this morning that know about the Word of God, you know about the prodigal son. He got what he wanted from his dad and he took off and he wound up where? In the hog pen. And he said this, when he finally came to his senses and his, it blows me away what he was thinking. And this is the way us guys that think that we're too bad, this is kind of how we think. He said, I'm just going to get up and I'll go home to my father's house and I'll ask him to do what? Just let me be a slave. You know what he thought? I can go home and I can be forgiven, but probably just halfway. I can go home and, and to my dad, that I, and, that, and, that, and that dad in that story is a picture of God. That boy said, well, I know I can go home to my dad, but I'm just going to go home and be a slave. Maybe he'll just let me work a little bit and, and be a slave. You remember the story of what happened? You remember what happened when that boy got home and the father took off running? That's a picture of God. Took off running to that boy. 
put his arms around him, he kissed him, he put a ring on him and put a robe on him and put shoes on his feet. That's for us this morning. It's too bad. If you're here this morning, you think, man, I've went too far. God can't forgive me. Oh, yes, he can. Through the blood of Christ, the redeeming blood of Christ, you can be forgiven this morning because Jesus' cleansing blood is a forgiving blood. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, <laughs> look what God built a church of Corinth out of. Let me move over here so I can see it a little bit better. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the adulterers, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. My, what a list. But look at verse number 11. Glory to God, I like verse number 11. And that is what you were. But what? But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What does that tell me this morning? What does that tell you this morning? That it doesn't matter how far you've went. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. The redeeming blood of Christ can cleanse you from all sin. Amen? That's what it says in this passage of Scripture. And boy, there's some biggies in there, aren't they? There's some, and that's our problem. We think some sins are bigger than others. But hey, listen, God built a church on people that were guilty of those sins. He washed them clean through His Son's redeeming blood and built a church in the city of Corinth on those building blocks right there. Who would have thought it? Because all those folks look like they'd went too far. Looks like they're just too bad to be forgiven. So I call that the hall of shame. What about that? God can go to the hall of shame and take the blood of Jesus and cleanse the hall of shame and build a church out of it. And that's what he's doing this morning. He's got a fellow standing up here this morning that used to live in the hall of shame. And by his grace and by his mercy, isn't it work this morning? Isn't that amazing? The blood of Jesus, how it can cleanse us from all sin. The Bible says in Isaiah 1 verse number 18, this is for all of us that think we've gone too far. Look, God wants to reason with us this morning. Hallelujah, God's a reasoning God. It says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as what? Snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall be like wool. See, God's Son's blood is a cleansing blood. It brings forgiveness for sins. But not only does it bring forgiveness for sins, it brings forgetfulness. Listen to this this morning. This is a blessing. Did you know that not only the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins, but did you know that the blood of Jesus Christ causes God the Father to forget our sins? Is that not amazing this morning? Maybe you haven't sinned as much as I have. That's amazing to me. That God cannot remember a single sin that Rex Brown has ever committed. Boy, you can remember them, can't you? You know who else can remember them? Satan. Because his name in the Greek is accuser. Satan can remember all your sins. But if you're in Christ this morning and the redeeming blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all of your sins, God does not remember them this morning. They are forgiven and they are forgotten by the blood of Jesus. Look at, look at what the Lord says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 17. This is God speaking. He says, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Is that not amazing? That God cannot remember my sin and your sin this morning. Listen to... Uh, Let's back up one. Let's go back to Romans 4, verses 7 and 8. <laughs> kind of amazing. Guess what this is? This is a murderer quoting the words of an adulterer and a murderer. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. You know what that word blessed means in the Greek? Anybody know? I bet you know, Matt. You're smiling. It means happy. Praise God. We're to get happy this morning. Look what this says. 
Happy are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Happy is the man whose sin the Lord will never what? Never count against him. Is that not beautiful? And that was Paul, the murderer, quoting the words of David, the adulterer and murderer. Those men got happy when they realized that God had forgiven their sins and had cleansed them, but not only that, he had forgotten them. In Psalms 103 and verse number 12, David, again, the adulterer and murderer, says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Do you know if you go from north to south, you can meet? But if you go east to west, you can't ever meet? You ever thought about that? That God has forgiven you this morning to the point that He has so forgotten your sins that they're so separated from the east to the west that they can never meet one another again. Is that not a glorious thought this morning? That's how cleansed we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 38 and verse number 17, the king Hezekiah said this. This is beautiful. He said, in love you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins where? Our sins are behind the back of God this morning. If you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, your sins are in his face. (laughs) I'd rather have mine back here than up here, wouldn't you? Amen. I am so thankful that God has took the sin that I had in his face and according to Isaiah 38, 17, he has put them behind his back. That's where they're at this morning. They're behind the back of God the Father. And then Isaiah 43, 18. Here's my life verse. This is it. For those of us that think we're too bad and look look what God says. Let's just do this. Let's just forget the former things. Amen. Is that not beautiful? I love that verse. That's my life verse now. I've adopted that. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And guys, if you'll go back and research that, he was speaking to an extremely sinful nation, the children of Israel. They were into idolatry. They were into all kinds of sins. And God says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. That blesses me this morning, that second spiritual blessing. Not only are we cleansed by the blood of Jesus, the redeeming blood of Jesus, but then I want us to think about this. We're cleansed by the rich grace of God. By the rich grace of God. I was riding down the road. Some of you know this. My little 15-year-old granddaughter's come to live with us and her little, and her little baby. We were riding down the road the other day, and she said, Papa, I do not understand grace. And boy, Papa didn't know what to say because Papa wasn't expecting that. Oh, grace, 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 grace. What am I going to tell her? Grace. And I fumbled and I stumbled around to try to explain to her the grace of God. How do you explain the grace of God? Can you? Let's let God explain it this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9, look what the Word of God says. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you through His poverty might do what? Become rich. There's grace. Grace is Jesus Christ being in heaven, having it made, sitting on a throne and leaving heaven and coming down here for you and I. Have you ever seen a picture of Jesus homeless? I've seen all kinds of pictures of Jesus. He's usually got a halo over his head and a, you know, a white flowing robe. And In the south, he's usually white. You know, he's got his blonde hair and his pretty blue eyes and all that. Have you ever seen a picture of him homeless? Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, why don't you check his verse out? Foxes have their holes and birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has what? That sounds like a homeless man to me. See, friends, that right there is the grace of God. If you ever want to explain the grace of God to someone, right there it is. 
Jesus Christ, the Lord of this universe, Jesus Christ who created, according to Colossians chapter 1, everything, left everything, and came to nothing and became nothing so that you and I could become something in Him. Amen? There's grace. Hallelujah. That's the grace of God right there. That's what it's all about, that Jesus took our place. That's grace. Now, th- now think something about Let's go to verse number 8. Back to our text for this morning. This grace, this rich grace that God possesses, this rich grace that He has given to you and I, it says in verse number 8 that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. I got to thinking about that word us. You say, what's the big deal about it? Well, think about it. Us is the reach and the blanket there. God's grace is so rich and God's grace is so abundant that it reaches us. What us do you have in your mind this morning? Maybe you're the us. Maybe it's someone you know. Maybe there's someone in your life you think is hopeless and they've gone too far. But that us. I went back in Acts chapter 19, and we'll not go back and read all that, but if you want to scribble it down in your notes sometimes, your personal devotions, go back and look at the people that Paul wrote this letter to. Go back and look at what was going on in their lives whenever God's grace reached their us. You know what they were doing? They were sorcerers. They were into witchcraft. They had all kinds of evil practices going on in their lives. And Paul went into Ephesus and he preached to them. It caused a big big riot. They got mad. They were worshiping these little uh, silver statues to uh, Artemis, the goddess that they thought had fallen from heaven. Listen, that's the condition those people were in when God's grace reached out to them. And the Word of God says that when they got saved, they took all their witchcraft material and they piled it up in the middle of town and set a bonfire to it. And me and my son Adam was looking at this yesterday. It says that they, the, the, the price of the material that they burnt was worth 50,000 days wages. Adam said, I wonder how many years that is, Daddy. And I went and got a calculator. They had spent 137 years wages on their sin and on their witchcraft and on their evil deeds. But guess what? The reach. The reach of God's grace reached them, didn't it? Is that not amazing? But not only the reach of God's grace, I want you to think about this, the reservoir of God's grace. I, I was riding through the town of Grant this morning. Boy, I got excited. You know what I seen? A water tire. You think, boy, you're weird to get excited over a water tire. I seen that water tire, darling, I got all fired up. You know why? That water tower is a reservoir that holds the water for the city of Granite. And you know what? That thing can go dry, can't it? If we'd have a real, real good drought, that thing would go dry. But according to this scripture right here in verse number 8, the Word of God says that God did what with His grace? He lavished it on us. You know what that word lavished means? <laughs> I looked it up. It means to be poured out without ending. God's grace is lavished upon us to a point that it can never end in our lives. God is not stingy. God doesn't forgive one time and quit. God is a God of grace that lavishes His grace without end upon you and I who have been chosen in Him. It says this in 1 John 1 and verse number 9, that if we confess our sins, He is just and faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's the reservoir of God's grace. I don't see a limit in that. I don't see a stopping place. It says that if we confess, if we agree with God, He is just and faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you and I this morning are cleansed. That's our second blessing. What was the first one? We're chosen, right? Secondly, we've been cleansed by the redeeming blood of Jesus and by the rich grace of God. 
But only that, thirdly, and notice this. Boy, this one's good. <clears throat> Anybody trying to add anything to Jesus today? Praise God, he's enough. You don't need to add anything to him. It says that we are complete in Christ. That's our third blank for today. Not only are we chosen in Christ, not only are we cleansed in Christ, but I find in verses 13 and 14 that you and I this morning are complete in Jesus. It says there, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Something marvelous happened when you and I came to Christ. When you and I got saved, God did something that I think a lot of Christians do not understand. Others have brought abuse upon it and scared others off. But the Word of God says here that when we believe, verse number 13, that God marked us. Hey, like my mark this morning. Nice, ain't it? It's internal. You and I in Christ this morning have an internal mark, an internal seal that is whom? It's the Holy Spirit. See, a lot of people are not taught that. When you come to Christ, God seals you with His Holy Spirit. It's the mark of God. And it is inside of us, should be seen on the outside. If we walk in the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit flow from our life, it'll be evident that the Holy Spirit is living in us. But this seal is an internal seal. Look in Colossians 1.27. Paul said that there had been a great mystery that had been hidden throughout the generations, but had now been revealed to the Gentiles. And what is that great mystery? Christ in you. The hope of glory. See, when you and I came to Christ and we received Christ, He sealed us and put a mark on us that is on the inside. In John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus was talking to the disciples and He said that there was a promise that was going to be given. And when that promise came, that promise would not be on the outside, but that promise would be on the inside. That the Holy Spirit would come and He would, look at this, be in you how long? Somebody say it real loud. Hallelujah. He will be in you forever. See, this is where people get messed up on their doctrine. They go to the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit would come and go, come and go, and they try to carry it over to the New Testament. Not so. You see, after the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to live not with the believers, but where? In the believers. I got a mark inside of me this morning. You've got a mark inside of you this morning. It is a person, the person of the Holy Spirit of God. So we are sealed internally. Where's my little seals at? I like this illustration. I work in a warehouse up in Lenore, and we load containers and send them overseas. I know that amazes you. Americans still send stuff overseas, but we do it. And uh, when, we, when we load one of those containers, and it is completely full and exactly like it's supposed to be, guess what we do? We go back. We've got some truck drivers in here. Somebody said, put a seal on it. That's you, Aunt Dan. We take this little fella right here, and we click him you know what that says that shipment's complete that shipment is ready to go to its destination and guess what that seal stays on our how long till it gets to its destination and that's you and i this morning praise god we've been sealed on the inside with an internal seal till we get to heaven the seal will stay there can't break it i'm glad dave ain't here he'd rip it in half he'll mess my illustration up he'll be here second service i ain't gonna let him have it he'll break her in half but we put that seal on that container, and when it gets to its destination, the folks that receive it realize that nothing's been taken away from it. Hey, listen, nothing's been added to it. That shipment is perfect for delivery. And that's you and I this morning because we've been sealed 
with the Spirit of God. Not only have we been sealed inter- internally, well, let me try to say this, I fumbled it up, I've been practicing. We've been secured eternally. Think about that. People struggle with that. I was talking to my granddaughter about her salvation the other day. I said, I said, Allison, honey, I said, have you been saved? She said, yeah, Paul, Paul, four times. I said, whoa. Whoa, Nellie, stop the train right there. We're at the wrong station. I said, baby, you can't be saved four times. I said, you can be saved one time. Now, you can break your fellowship and you'll think you're lost. Amen. I've broke my fellowship so many times I've begged God to save me. I sealed the whole time. I just broke my fellowship. But when people break their fellowship, they think they lose their salvation. And we've got a group of Christians that go around all the time thinking they're losing it, they're getting it, they're losing it, they're getting it, they're losing it, and they're getting it. No. We are sealed, the Bible says here in verse number 14. Look with me in verse number 14. I love this verse. It says, Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory? You say, Rex, what in the world does that mean? You know what that means? That means that we are sealed and we are secure until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. That's what that verse says. I have some of my good Christian brothers that like to lose their salvation, and they'll get all over me and they'll say, well, the Bible don't say once saved, always saved. No, thank God, I'm glad it don't. The Word of God doesn't say that. But Jesus says something in John chapter 6 and verse number 40 that's much better than once saved, always saved. Jesus said this, Jesus said, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have what? Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, if it's eternal, it's awful hard to lose. That kind of tells me it's going to last a long, long time. And it kind of tells me that I just really ain't in control of hanging on to it and trying to keep it. Amen? Because we've been sealed. We have an inward seal and we have eternal security because God, it says, has made a deposit back in verse number 14 upon us. Now let me ask you this in conclusion this morning. If you put a deposit on something, you're pretty serious about it, aren't you? It says here that God put a deposit on you and I. You know what that tells me? He's coming back to get us. He's coming back to get us. That's why he put that seal on us. He said, I'm going to seal them, and one day, because I've put down earnest money on them through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to come back and get them. Look what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse number 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And what's going to happen? The dead in Christ will rise first. And then the passage goes on to say that we who remain and are alive at that time are what? We're all going to be called up together. To meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. See, God has put a deposit on us. And God is coming back to get us one day. Because we're chosen. Because we're cleansed. And because we're complete. I'm thankful this morning, aren't you? That first big long blank we had uh, there this morning, I am thankful for. I don't know what all we wrote in that or what all we thought about, but... Uh, There's another blank at the bottom, if you'll notice, having believed, I'm thankful for. And I want to conclude with this this morning as uh, maybe the band might want to come and and begin to play a a time of invitation. Or maybe, hey, let's just have a time of worship. If there's nobody here this morning that needs to come to Christ and have their sins forgiven, let's just worship Him because we are forgiven this morning. But these uh, spiritual blessings are for everyone, but you need to understand they don't belong to everyone. See, God made a choice so we can make a choice this morning. And during this time, I want to challenge you that if maybe you thought you were too bad, hey, maybe you think you're too good. 
I want you to know today that you've been chosen, that you were chosen before you ever came from your mother's womb. And I want you to know this morning that you can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this, and I'll conclude here in verse number 13. It says, And you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. I think we've done that this morning, haven't we? Amen. The best I can tell, we've heard the word of truth this morning. And it says, The gospel of your salvation, having what? Having believed. Have you believed this morning? You say, well, Rex, I'm in church. Of course I've believed. Have you believed in the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins so that you can be complete, so you can be cleansed and chosen? I'm going to ask Pastor Lynn if he will come. Um, and let's stand. Let's worship God this morning. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Dathan Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.